So when I walked into that Nazi bunker with like swastikas up on the walls and I went in I, and, I, and I rehearsed an entire hour set of Jewish music and singing that music within a Nazi bunker, I started realizing at that moment that like... Welcome to the Holy Sparks podcast. Our mission is to illuminate the brightest lights in the Jewish world and beyond so that we elevate the Holy Sparks within us and make the world around us a better place. I'm your host, Saul Kay. If you're looking for wisdom, mentorship, and inspiration, you're in the right place. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Holy Sparks Podcast. Salka here. I am super excited. We got him, the man, the myth, the legend, Mikey Pauker, on the line for today, a good friend of mine. Oh, you guys are going to really enjoy this. So without further ado, let me go ahead and edify the man properly. I'm going to read you a little bio about him. So Mikey Pauker, pronounced Pauker, is a devotional rock artist from Laguna Beach, California. Pauker has been described as one of the 10 stars of the new Jewish music via Time Magazine. He has released multiple albums, including Sim Shalom, Mikey Pauker and the Joy Machine, Extraordinary Love, The Sages EP, and Ascension. This year, Pauker released his new single, We Are Safe, produced by Jim Kaufman, on Ineffable Records, home to artists including Stick Figure, Through the Roots, Tropidelic, Mike Love, among others. He performed the song and was a guest on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Oh, very cool. A motivational destination for conversations with the brightest minds in athletics, business, science, relationships, and spirituality with over 50 million downloads on iTunes. His Rise Vulnerable Rally music video swept the world, touching the hearts over a million souls. Growing up in Orange County, Mikey's early experiences at underground shows exposed him to the intense, primal energy of live music, as well as the strong community bonds that form in an authentic and close-knit scene. Inspired by teachers who blend yoga and mystical practices, he went to study in Jerusalem, soaking up the hidden teachings of his ancestral lineage. These spiritual dimensions guided his artistic development as he explored ecstatic music festivals and mystical religious traditions. His music implores us all to look within, to sit with our darkness and transform it into light. Mikey's sound blends elements of folk, reggae, and hip-hop, incorporating English and Hebrew roots into his devotional songwriting. Mikey's music draws from influences such as Bob Marley, Van Morrison, and The Police. Pauker shared the stage with other artists, including Matis Yahoo, Revolution, Stephen Marley, Dovavan Frankenreiter, Aliyah Nirio, the Polish ambassador, Trevor Hall, Mike Love, and others. Notable performance highlights include Red Rocks, Envision, Arise, Halloween, Cali World Fest, Electric Forest, Beloved, Bhakti Fest, and Chart Chant for Change on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. For the past eight years, Mikey has served as music faculty at the National Song Leader Boot Camp, also known as SLBC, teaching classes on spiritual embodied practice, music, business, strategy, and artist development. So ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to my good friend, Mikey Pauker. Oh, let's go. Louder in the back. In the back. Let's go. Let's go. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they're excited today. They're excited today. Hey, what's happening, holy brother? Welcome to the podcast. Hey there. How are you doing, I'm, sir? 
honestly, that intro was was so great that I think it just made my whole day. I've never, I haven't had a crowd do that. I don't think ever in my life. So that that was exciting. How are you doing? Baruch Hashem, everything is good. I'm happy. Yeah. I actually, I sent you a video. I sang one of your my favorite songs of yours this morning with about 250 kids, and they were just in it and singing it. So your music, even you know, 10 years later, is is reverberating throughout the community. So it's a beautiful thing. Uh, so for those of people in my audience that don't know you and are not really familiar with you, I want to kind of take it from the top, and maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, kind of growing up Jewishly, and then we'll get to music and we'll kind of weave it all together so yeah take us from the top so uh you're asking where i grew up i grew up in a town called laguna niguel um it's right laguna beach area um that's actually why i say on my bio right there because it's when i say laguna niguel people are like where the heck is that so laguna beach is basically an hour south of los angeles an hour north of San Diego. Uh, the ecosystem is technically coastal desert. So um, I would spend a lot of my time going surfing as a child, going down to a beach called Salt Creek. I'd hit the point there, hit the glassy waves there. Um, and for me, that was connected with spirituality. Uh, you know, Jewishly, it wasn't like really... I, I did go to shul and whatnot, but like my my way of really tapping in with the spirit was through the water, through the mystery of of the wave. But yeah, grew up out there, grew up reform. Uh, apparently, I was a part of Nifty. I don't really remember that very much. And um, I went to Temple Bethel, which who I think you've been to. I think you've been to my synagogue, maybe as an artist in residence one of the years. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of my my childhood growing up, pretty secular. Um, you know, I had a bar mitzvah and confirmation and just kind of went through the moves of, you know, what it's like to be a, like a Jewish youth in Orange County, who's not like deeply connected to, uh, spirituality, just kind of going through the moves of. Okay. So for the audience, yeah, maybe the small percentage of them, they don't know what nifty is. There's some things that we throw around. What's nifty? Just so oh. you know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So nifty. I don't know what it stands for to be honest with you but it's the youth group for the urj which is the reform movement so there's like in the different um youth group movements there's like ncsy which i'm pretty sure is like for more orthodoxy there's usy which is for the conservative uh and um, nifty is for the reform movement cool awesome yeah. so it's interesting yeah. you and i had a similar upbringing in the reform world and obviously you were a spiritual seeker at a young age like you took to the water to nature but is this accurate to say you weren't necessarily feeling it in the tradition or we'll talk about that a little bit well you know it's interesting because like full circle is that like years later i got into um, studying jewish shamanic principles and practices and indigenous practices and something that like i really love is you know going out to um the waters going out to the desert the midbar midbar in hebrew is uh means place of words to call out the creator um but as i look back at my life as a child yes i was having a very jewish upbringing which was essentially being outside and and 
spending my time with, uh, you know, the nature's elements. But as far as like feeling like I was excited to be in, in, in shul, like the, my excitement as a kid was like going to a bar and bought mitzvahs for the party. Like I really did not like the music. I was bored, you know, high holidays would, would show up and I would be out in the hallways, like talking to my friends. Like we'd be talking about like skateboards and our favorite, you know, our favorite skate parks and stuff like that. Like, so, you know, growing up, I was just, I didn't, I went through, I did it mostly cause I just like wanted to party and meet friends and whatnot, you know? Got it. Cool. And yeah. is there a point for you when you, you know, we talk about this idea of being bald to Shuva, which is like to return, which really everyone is on the path, right? And so was there a moment for you where you really, Judaism called you back or you found a way back in that was meaningful for you? And uh, talk about that, because I think that would be enlightening for people. Yeah. Um, see, there was a moment. There's been many moments. Um, I kind of like to think of this analogy of like, you ever seen the movie E.T.? You know, that little alien, you know, Elliot like leaves a little trail of Reese's pieces. I feel like uh, God's been doing that with me my whole life, kind of like leaving a trail of Reese's pieces and been like, oh, yeah, look at this moment. And I'd say like one of those big moments for me was going to Israel when I was 12 years old with my grandmother uh, who passed, bless her life, um, you know. And, and 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 meeting at the time I had a cousin who lived on a kibbutz and learning about the culture. Um, and then I went to, I was in a fraternity, AE Pi, um, and we did this ACE trip where they partnered with ACE HaTorah, which is also like, talk about movements, it's like ACE's Hasidic Judaism. And it's funny. Sam Glazer's brother, who you probably might have on the show, hopefully, uh, Yom Tov, his brother works at H. So I was there and that was a moment where I was like, wow, like my whole life, I felt like orthodoxy for some reason in my reform communities, there was this, like people didn't really vibe with Hasidic Jewish lifestyle. So I got to kind of see what it's like on the inside, a little taste of that. And I got to see how beautiful a lot of those people are and the practices are from the inside, not hearing people talk about their trauma from the outside. So that's, that, that was, that was something really important. But I think like the biggest thing was after all of that. And I, you know, I talk about this where um, I got a job at a Jewish summer camp after being a tour manager with a rock band and traveled the country in a, in a van with eight guys in a van like sleeping in that way and doing the road life thing which i know you know got it yeah and uh i got a job my mom's like you should go work at this jewish summer camp and i got a job to work at camp newman and i just like knew jewish songs from hallel and all that kind of stuff so when i showed up over the summer i learned that uh i had a moment there where it was like boom leading prayer we're singing the prayer haparesu kachalom where we're saying you know thank you creator for spreading this shelter of of kedusha of holiness over us it's a prayer from kabbalah shabbat liturgy um 
in Ma'ariv where Friday night, yeah, Friday night services. I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I'll break it down. So Friday night services, and uh, yeah, I was in the amphitheater, and we were leading prayer, and all of a sudden there was this moment where I literally felt as if electricity ran through my entire body. Uh, I would now think about what that is. I'd call that uh, uh, divine revelation, or I, I'd call it um, uh, mediumship. It's kind of the realms I'm in now. This idea of a force moving through me, and what I saw in that moment was my entire life flashed before my eyes. I saw touring around the country playing Jewish music. I saw different moments like car accidents happen that have happened. I saw uh, myself playing at Red Rocks, which I didn't know that, that, that and it all happened. And there's even things I've seen that I saw in that image that haven't happened yet. Oh, so you had it. And so I've been basically- Retroactively seeing your life, you saw what potentially was coming. I saw the totality of my entire life. And uh-huh. I was honestly like, what, what is this, you know? And I've been basically picking up those, those pieces ever since. Mm. And I've been just like going with this, um, you know, ha- having emunah, having faith, mm-hmm. even though like being a musician, it's not people, I think, have an idea that, you know, you're living this amazing life, you know, like it's so beautiful because you get to share your spark, but it's also a very challenging lifestyle to try to find a way to make enough parnasa, to make enough financial uh, sustenance to be able to afford a home or a family or children. And so, but that vision has been actually keeping me afloat all these years. And in the, in the days where I feel like, what the heck am I doing here? When I feel completely hopeless, there's still days like that where I'm like, what am I even doing? What is this existence? Why does it even matter? And then there's other days where it all makes sense. So I'd say that like, those kinds of feelings are a human thing. And I give a lot of gratitude to the moments where everything does make sense. And I, and I hope that uh, if you're listening to this podcast, that, that you inquire about the moments in your life where it all makes sense. And then when you're feeling like hopeless and you're feeling a, a lack of direction to maybe just remember those times and see if it can serve as a compass for your for the for for walking forward beautiful i love it so so deep and you know it people are always looking a lot of times you know when they're coming up they're looking for confirmation is this the right path am i going the right way you know and when you get those moments it's like thank you hashem okay yes i'm on the right path now that does that mean that's the path forever you don't know but for that moment or for the next few moments yes you're in the right place Okay, let's get to some music, man. Talk a little bit. Let's let's kind of rewind the tape a little bit. Talk a little bit about your early musical influences, and then I kind of want to draw it forward and, and, and to where you are now, and talk about what's upcoming for you. Uh, let's see, musical influences. Uh, uh, grew up on a lot of reggae music, um, Fleetwood Mac, Paul Simon. Um, you know, father was like, you know, a deadhead in the 60s. So I got a lot of that in me. Uh, um, you know, and then as I got older, I got like really into Christian rock music, actually. Really like Christian worship music. What artists, what, what artists would you cite? Um, 
Well, one was I got like really into Switchfoot, you know, in like my like high school years. Um, I got into a band called Under Oath. They're a Christian rock band out of Florida. I don't know if they're Christian anymore, but um, I got into like I was deeply into kind of hardcore Christian and punk rock music because it was really affluent in my county, Orange County, California, where I grew up out here. So I've actually found my solace spiritually by going to Christian rock shows as a youth in Orange County, California, you know, seeing thrice and under oath and as they lay dying and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and I got to like really feel the primal aspect of like what it feels like to be in a mosh pit and then to find a safe place to take out my aggression as a youth in those mosh pits mm-hmm. to explore like what it would be like to use music as a way to release anger. Wow, I actually didn't so know yeah, that's that was my like scene. my upbringing. That's so cool. What's so that? Cool. No, I didn't know there was a yeah. Christian punk scene or hardcore. I mean, I know there's a lot of other Christian scenes, but yeah. that's, that's fascinating. Cool, I love it. Um, and so, was there? You know, did you have a moment? A lot of people have this kind of spark moment, like you had when you were leading at Newman, where they see an artist musically or encounter an artist or see an artist on stage or living a certain lifestyle, and you're like, you know what that that's what I want to do this person or these couple people. Is there someone like that in your life? Um, I think I had that when I met you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Right. I was like, wow, Jewish music could be cool. Oh, yeah. I'm compelling. I appreciate that. Well, I'm serious. Like I remember meeting you at Jewelicious and, uh, we were sitting across from each other, you know, we were at this, I met you at a Hasidic gathering. We were sitting there and, you know, we were talking about Jewish blues music. And uh, I was like, wow, like Jewish music could be, Jewish music could be like relevant. Yeah. I mean, God bless Debbie Freeman. You know, her melodies was what they sang in my congregation. And there were moments that I really liked her music. Same with Jeff Klepper. And I give a lot of gratitude to Debbie Freeman for what she has brought through, inspiring a whole generation, multiple generations of song leading, both in congregations and not in congregations, youth groups, all that stuff. She definitely inspired me. I would say like Dan Nichols and Rick Recht. And um, Julie Silver, Beth Schaefer, Stacy Byer. I think that there's like, as we get older, we start to forget about our elders. Mm. I'm not going to like say Julie Silver's an elder. I don't think she wants to be known as that. But we think of like, if this is an ecosystem that's intergenerational and we're looking at like, who are the people who've been here for a while and have really carved a path? Like, I feel like we need to. We need to remember our teachers and um, what they have created. For now, there are, it's pretty beautiful, I think, to look at the mass um, fabric of Jewish music, at least in Northern America with song leaders and, you know, cantorial solos who are out there. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the work that Debbie Freeman has done, that Jeff Klepper has done. Uh, to kind of pave and open up and really pioneer uh, a whole style of music that now 
is in the diversity of your music things is included in that, like Jewish blues music, Nefesh Mountain, bluish, Jewish bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chava Morel with this just gorgeous folk music and, or, or Deborah Sachs Mintz and Hadar, you know, what she's doing yeah. with Joey. Like mm-hmm. that is only, I mean, that's beautiful music, but we got to remember the people that have, have and Shlomo Karlbach paved the way for this say. to happen. Yeah, so, Shlomo, those are all people, yeah, but definitely for sure. Shlomo. For sure. But then it was Matis Yahu, like, wow, Matis Yahu, like, look what this guy's doing. He's yeah. he's bringing Jewish music into the, the larger world community. And for me, as an artist, that's whenever, when I first saw that, I was like, that's, if I'm going to do Jewish music, that's what I want to do. I'm not interested in synagogue, just being with the synagogue. Uh-huh. I'm interested in how can I take these songs and use them as a chariot? to educate the larger world community of our deeply intrinsic values, which are embedded in connection and love and uh, reverence and how, so that's, if it wasn't for Matis Yahoo doing that, you know, I probably, you know, wouldn't know my path as well. So. I love it. That's actually going to be my exact next question, which is talk about your experience of playing Jewish. And I know you sing in Hebrew and English, but you know, that sort of genre of music with your flavor in clubs, in festivals, how is that experience for you? And maybe you can talk about some, you know, reactions or responses you've had from people after shows. It could be really interesting to hear that. Yeah. Well, uh, I love it. I mean, I think at the very beginning of maybe bringing, you know, Yiddy Nefesh to a club, there was a moment where I'm like, what am I doing? This is insane. Like, this is way before all the anti-Semitism was really hitting. I mean, it was still hitting like 10 years ago, but not like it is now. But I feel like it's a great opportunity to show the humanity of like, you have all these ideas about like what a Jewish person is in this day and age. Well, what about me as a human? You see this body and these limbs and the soul and the song. And using it as an seeing that as an opportunity. If it if we can take one person in that club who might have a new idea about who they think a Jewish person is that could be supportive in their allyship and their understanding, then then it's it's complete. Like I think of this work as like uh you know activism through uh, through like really just bringing through these messages um i think that uh you know playing these songs at like festivals or like you know when i when i was at red rocks i played like yeti nefesh i sang yeti nefesh for at the time when I pl- got up on the stage, there were about 3,000 people. So there were still a lot of seats available. It did sell out that night with 10K, but like at the 3,000 person mark, singing Yeti Nefesh at Red Rocks, like the, the feeling, like sim- similar feeling of, of like feeling that energy, like moving through the body. Um, it, to me, it's, it doesn't matter if I'm in a synagogue or if I'm at a club or a festival. It's, this, it's the same thing. It's the same prayer, you know, and it's, it's not like for me when I get up on stage, it's not like I don't think of it as a performance. I think for me, when I get up on that stage, it's an offering to God. And it's 
to open up a space for all people. It doesn't matter what faith you are, but to know that my faith, you know, when you go to like a, you go to a show, see Stephen Marley. Okay. Stephen Marley, his faith is Rastafara. And so he's pulling from his, his tech, but he's making it universal. Same goes with Judaism. For me, I'm moving from my center of what I know from my ancestry and from my experiences praying. And I'm just making that more accessible for everyone out there, no matter what their faith is, to connect with something. Maybe some people don't even believe in God. That's awesome. I love, I love, I love seeing with people like that too, because what music actually does is it brings us together regardless of our beliefs. But there's a it's a language that we're all um being a we're all dancing with. Um there's there's just one thing I'd like to share though, really quickly. I went to Germany a couple years ago for the mood. And um I went to go sing at a Jewish music festival there because I like my my family's from Germany. And something that was like really interesting with singing Jewish music at German clubs where there's like, a, you know, you would be kind of freaked out to do that. And the, one of the hardest parts for me was going into a Nazi bunker because now the Nazi bunkers in Germany are covered in beautiful street art. And it's where now all the bands, they, they rehearse, they made them into rehearsal studios. So when I walked into that Nazi bunker with like swastikas up on the walls, and I went in I, and, I, and I rehearsed an entire hour set of Jewish music and singing that music within a Nazi bunker. I started realizing at that moment that like what I'm here doing is like way bigger than me. And to think that Jewish music would ever reach within the walls of a Nazi bunker is beyond. You know, and that's the thing is like it doesn't matter where we're singing. It just matters about the kavanah that's coming through, the intention. So yeah, that's that's a little story. Sure. Oh, powerful. I mean, I think it's really the ultimate act of triumph to bring it back there, to make a tikkun there, which is a, a like, yeah. to heal something there, right? To to bring it into yeah. uh, the into the fire and 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 so kolakavo. That's very brave and powerful. And so, just one follow up question to that. You know, some people see their work. In the world is like essentially Kiruv, which is basically the concept of that. If you're not familiar, is you're finding Jews wherever they are, and you're connecting to them, and you're you're sharing Judaism with them, whatever that looks like, right? Doesn't necessarily mean you're like you know putting tefillin on people on the street, like whatever it is. You're just connecting to people, and you're connecting to their Jewish neshama, right? Um, so I I see, and tell me if this is accurate. Part of what you're doing is that, and it's also you're really being an ambassador for 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 jewish people to 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 non-jewish people to say hey here i am you know here we are this is something beautiful that we're doing uh, does that does that accurately reflect what you were just saying yeah i would definitely say it is a form of care it's also just a form of prayer for me like authentic practice of like if i don't sing these songs i i would be probably dead because like i wouldn't have a purpose mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that I, for me, my practice is showing up and singing. I mm -hmm. have to do that. If I don't sing, I'm, I'm singing for my life. I hear you. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. You know, and then for all those other people who aren't Jewish, it's like, what's your ancestry? And if you don't know your ancestry, what lights you up? Like, let's find 
let's find all those aspects. And like, I'm inviting you to walk towards what lights you up. By being an example of someone that is doing that from their own faith. Is that what you're saying? Like by, by you actually demonstrating, this is what I'm doing. You're, you're giving them permission and an invitation to do the same. I'm hoping that that maybe could be an impact. I didn't think of it that way. I just, the way that I write my songs mm-hmm. and the way that I approach the conversation and the prayer is my intention. A lot of the times is what could I do that could create a place for someone to reconnect with their ancestry, with their spiritual lineages. Sweet. I love it. Well, there's so much depth there and I really appreciate you, you sharing all that. And if, by any chance you guys hear a chainsaw in the background <laughs> can you hear that or no okay i'll, I'll edit that out it's, i did that was my, great my neighbor has a tree that almost fell on their house and it, it is literally a miracle i told them they need to go give some charity even though they're not jewish yeah. this giant redwood tree fell and literally missed their house by two inches and their car it's incredible i will show a picture on the podcast for you to see i said you you guys are blessed by angels so you know the work spiritual work we do is it transcends right it it goes beyond so i wanted to ask you about a couple things so i i heard that you're trying to get a jewish grammy category established or and i wanted you to talk about that and let us know how it's going Mm -hmm. and why that's important yeah so the jewish music grammy category is something that uh you know i've been in conversation with joni leeds who's a Grammy award-winning artist, Jewish artist from New York. She won a a Grammy for an all-female produced record called All the Ladies. Chava Morel, who I don't know if maybe should be on this podcast, she sang on it. Lisa Loeb was on her record. Uh, Joni's been within the Jewish, uh, sorry, she's been within the Recording Academy, I think, for 12 years. And a couple years ago, I met her. We started talking on this app called Clubhouse, which is like an audio app that I was kind of during the pandemic, um, bringing a lot of Jewish programming on. And we started talking and I said to her, you know, what about this about a Jewish music? And she's like, you know, I've been thinking about that, too. So we kept geeking out about it. So then she nominated me to join the Recording Academy this year. I was great. I'm, I'm a voting member for the Grammys. Um, and so now that. I got voted in. We started really coming together to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to make a Jewish music Grammy happen? And why is that? I think one of the main reasons why it's like there are multiple Christian music categories and there's a new age chant category where there's a lot of Shivite music, Krishna music. Um, You know, there's, you know, Judaism being, you know, one of the major faiths in the United States and knowing that we have, enough artists within the category where this could be an actual it could actually happen why not move forward with it and i think years ago what i heard was i think jeff klepper was a part of some sort of cohort where they try to make this happen and at the time the marketplace wasn't developed enough but one of the things we had to do to prove to the academy that this could even be viable is that there needed to be over 100 albums five or more songs released between the past two years. And we were, and I, we, we went through that, that spreadsheet and there, there are a hundred. There's more Jewish. Yes. Per year. 
Oh, per, to just the account? past two years. Oh, if you, yeah. If you look at the it's past like ten sales. years of Jewish music, yeah, it's not album. There sales. are so many. You know, we're talking about. It's not about album sales. This is about the creation of. So you don't. This is not about. The Grammys doesn't care about album sales. They don't care about. Um, they're not interested in charts, anything like that. The Recording Academy exists, and maybe I mean. One of their main, what they're here to do is to help create the diversity of music around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's really to celebrate the artistry. And it's, it's also, not a, it's so, mostly, so most people don't know this, but it's mostly artists that right. are voting. So it's almost like a, a peer community, just a very high level peer. You know, I know a bunch of people that are, that are you know, NRAS National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences members and voting members. So it's really a, it's, it's, it's sweet in that sense. So it's, it's your peers and extended. And there's, you know, there, there, there are a lot of industry professionals too, you know, managers and record labels and, you know, A&Rs, but yeah, it is a community of people that I think one of the, what, what I love about when I went to like the, the, the Grammy, cohort LA party was I got to see the diversity of all the different kinds of people internally working on the board. Like they're really committed right now to inclusivity across the board. And so if that's really the mission, then I feel like the Jewish people should have a place under that tent too. Um, and that's our hope. So our proposal, we, we made a chant.com chant.org change.org petition, excuse me. Hmm just to show this, how many people support this. And I think right now we have about 2,500 people that signed. Oh, where can people go to, uh, to, to help su- support that? Yeah. If you totally. go to my website, mikeypowker.com, you can literally see it right there on the homepage and you can sign. And we still would love your, your support. Like um, this process. So we submitted a proposal, Joni and I, with a handful of other people internally. Um, we will know about the final decision, hopefully within the fall, like what's going to happen. Like, so to be determined. So great. You know, I was was obsessed with this idea 15 years ago. I literally was losing sleep over how is it possible, you know, but it was a much smaller market back then and there were a lot less people releasing. So I think it's great that the metrics are the amount of, uh, of releases in a calendar year. So if this is any incentive for those listening, yeah, put out your record this year. It will help. I think it's also too, to celebrate the diversity of Jewish music because people think of Jewish music in America. They think of like the song leading culture, but there is like Mizrahi music, you know, there, you know, uh, there's, there's Sephardic music. There, um, there's spiritual Israeli music. There's um, Jewish rock, folk, reggae. There's so many different genres. There's cantorial music. Like Jewish music is such a huge amount of music that, like, hopefully this brings education within the Jewish community, but also the world to see that we're not a monolith. That we are a people with a diverse history, and that also this idea that there's, you know, some people think that right now the the reason the world is a certain way is because the Jewish people, they control it. Like this is something that's dominant, actually, in the festival culture that I perform at. 
I have to deal with a lot of anti-Semitism. And first of all, I want to say the Recording Academy is, I'm not in any way do we feel that they're anti-Semitic if there's not a category. It literally has to do with that there's not, a, there hasn't been a market yet that's been significant. Now that there's a market, this is possible. But what we think is when someone says to me, like Mikey, like, you know, or, you know, people come forward in the music industry and say that Jews own the music industry. It's like, yeah, if that was the case, then how come we don't have a Jewish music Grammy? Is that still being said? If that was the case. Have you actually heard that recently? I mean, have you actually heard that? I mean, I know that when I was growing up, there was this belief, right? But I mean, have people said that to you? Kanye West. Oh, Oh, all the time. I mean, everywhere, everywhere I go as being a Jewish artist, the amount of pushback I get socially is insane. The amount of emails I get daily because I'm out in the public. Like, yeah, I would love to come forward and share about that. But it's like, that's not the point of this, right? I feel like right now we have an opportunity to bring Jewish music, which is valuable into the world community for for the world to understand that we are actually a people of peace. We are a people of equality and inclusion. And through the music of the of our diversity, we can not just pave a path for Jewish music, but I think the even bigger hope is that every faith has their own Grammy category because every faith is a valid, um, and it is a valid uh, marketplace where we can really celebrate every single connection to creator no matter no matter where or who they come from so that's it. my goal ultimately down the line is like let's bring everyone in not just the christian community let's yeah. bring in the jews too and uh, the world. i agree yeah i totally agree and yeah i think there's like what like 15 christian categories and it's great there's tons of music it's like 70 percent of, of, of american music is that so um and also i i want to encourage you to don't just get one category you, you need like two or three or maybe four, right? You need like liturgical, folk, rock, like as much as you can. So, you know, if you're going in, go big, definitely go to Mikey's website. And then maybe there's a link you can follow to change.org and help sign the petition for sure. And okay, just wrapping up here, there's so much else I want to talk to you about, but I know that you recently started a record label and that's something you're passionate about. And maybe you can share a little bit about, you know, why you did that and what the vision is for your label. Yeah, so Beautiful Way Records is uh, inspired by a Diné teaching. Diné is an indigenous tribe. They also go by the name Navajo. Well, one of my teachers, his name is Uncle Ron, talks about the idea in the Diné faith, or the Diné people, that uh, to be in the beautiful way is to walk in equanimity with all the nature's elements in your life. And so, like, you know, for me, I, when I'm not praying with Jewish people, I'm praying with a lot of indigenous relatives. Um, it's been a big part of my spiritual, um, life. So the label is a tip to them and it's celebrating the devotional aspects of devotional music in all faiths. So folk, rock, reggae, world and chant music, you know? So, um, yeah, it's definitely a platform supporting Jewish music, but I'm also supporting, you know, there's a, an artist like today, you know, she's like, she's not from a specific faith. Uh, but her name is Maria Stark, and she writes deeply spiritual music. She just released a new single today called Keep the Light On. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I also have, you know, uh, someone I did a track with. Her name is Victoria Angel Heart. She put out something called the Hanuman Chalisa. 
which talks about the 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 archetype Hanuman through the Vedic text, and this is like a chant towards their the way they connect to um, the way they, they they think of God, um, and it's 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 you know a, a chant that's dedicated to Ramdas and Maharaji, um, and so for me, what I'm really interested in, in right now is um, putting out music that is devotional in its nature, and supporting this new marketplace. Um, that is being defined right now. Like um, there, there's a lot of new conscious and spiritual and transformational music, but there hasn't been labels that have been really going out of the way to support the longevity of this marketplace. And what I wanted to do was take what I've learned over my course of my career and basically implement that and be of service for um, the greater music community. So Beautiful Way Records just does that. Um, we are an imprint of High Vibe, which is like a bigger label who focuses on electronic transformational music. And so we are an imprint under them. And our hope right now is that like, you know, we can help bring spiritual music um, farther out into, um, into the world where more people have access to these themes that are deeply healing, deeply sacred. And that can help us on our everyday journey as we're tra traversing through this world. Sweet. I love it. Say the name yeah. of it again, because people probably missed it the first yeah. time. Said it. Yeah, so, I talk fast. Beautiful, beautiful Way, Way Records. Yeah, Beautiful yes. Way Records. Okay, beautiful awesome. Way Records. You can go to beautifulrecords.com. Beautiful um, yeah, please check out Mario's new single, Keep the Light On. Um, I just released a new track last week called what i know and if you're listening to this podcast and you're like hey i have music i think would fit please send it to us i'm listening to music every day and uh it would be an amazing opportunity to hear what you're working on cool and so this is a great question you know and i love the fact that you still call it blue way uh, records right i just love i love records i love vinyl but you know, for an artist now, let's say we're gonna we're gonna switch hats here, right? So they're looking at you. You're a record label. Why would an artist come to you? What would you do for with them? And what's the benefit as opposed to anyone can just release anything on anything for free now? So what is it? What's the benefit of working with yeah. you? Is it valid? Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, it's like you're gonna release a song independently. Okay, great. So what do you what are you gonna do as an independent artist to get get it out there? It's like, yeah, you have the technology to just put online, but if you really want to put it online and get it done in all the right way and get the metadata out there and secure press and actually get in blogs and podcasts and get people to actually hear the music, you're going to need promo promotion. You're going to need a, someone to drive a narrative to the greater public. And that's what we do. So we're a distribution company. So instead of going through a distro kid, we're a distribution company. You would go through us. And the services that we provide are marketing and PR and promotionary service promotion services to get your music marketed out there. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we also, as artists that work with us, like when you're with the label, it's like, there's a festival that's booking shows. Like I don't book festivals, but like, I'm going to use, every, I'm going to do everything I can for the artists that I represent to get them and to do to play different shows. I'm going to do what I can to get them to, to be on TV shows and blogs. Like we have an in-house publicist essentially. 
um, that's working for us. We have an in-house administrator who's specifically working on trying to get my artists off playlist. I'm financing um, the growth of my artists through advertising that I'm investing with my dollar to get those songs more played more. So what a label does is a lot of things, but a distributional label like me serves as a PR and marketing firm to advertise and market your song so that for there actually be a return on investment. Because I know a lot of artists, they just put music out and they think that's it. But if you're going to invest thousands and thousands of dollars in your music, wouldn't you want to make a living off that music? And knowing that a lot of the artists I represent do, like I have artists that make thousands of dollars a month just on streaming. And I know a lot of people say that's not a lot, not a lot of money. Well, when you add in shows and bookings and then that publishing deals and syncs, it starts to add up. And so that's why people work with us. We're just, we're here to support the artists getting the music out in a good way. Cool. I love it. And, and you guys, what yeah. did you launch just pretty recently or? Yeah, January. So we're pretty new, okay, cool. um, but yeah. Right. I love it's, it. Uh, it's all coming good. together. Yeah. And it's good for you also to, to call that out at, you know, most musicians didn't start playing music to get into business, right? They right, did right. to, to probably find solace from a challenging life, a B to find self-expression and uh, C to, to, to find purpose, right? It, it, I mean, I didn't pick up, you know, piano at the age of five to make money. <laughs> I didn't pick up guitar at 11 because yeah. I talked about business. So this is where you come in and I, and I appreciate you saying that. And that's helpful for people to hear too, you know? Okay, so we got to wrap up here. Uh, definitely, we'll have to do a part two to hear where you know where things have evolved for you. Maybe a year down the road, we'll see how the record label is going. Two last questions. Okay, so for you, what do you feel is like the ultimate vision for yourself as a fully actualized artist? What does it look like, or is it what you're doing right now? And paint the picture for everyone what that actually looks like. Um. I'm very grateful for where I am now. Uh, I am in a current up leveling. Um, I would like to do what I'm doing, but in theaters all over. I'm actually working with the team now to make that this happen. So there's going to, you'll see soon about these new tours happening. Um, my goal is to basically create church or temple for the masses through music. That's my main goal here through music. So that's the main thing. I think my main service is like, how can we create deeply emotional moments where we can bring all people together to connect the community, to connect with our hearts, to connect with creator and have that be through music. And I feel like that moving forward, I feel like that's my kind of my, what I'm, what I'm looking at is like a long vision. And how can we do this globally? And how can I support other artists to do, to have a similar paradigm? Um, and um, yeah, I mean, as far as you know, the label goes and my music, I just want to be in service. Like for me, it's really about avodah, avodah service. How can I take what I have learned all my success and a lot of my failures because i i sure have failed a lot and i fail almost every day and i love it but taking the alchemy of the that silver lining and using it for the benefit of the good and what i hope to do is to support many more artists who are looking to 
live their dream and bring their artistry to the forefront of their existence. Um, so I do that through coaching too. So if you know you're interested in finding a coach to support you in that process, this is what I do with people three to six months containers. I'm available, reach out and we can build a program to help you jumpstart your, your music career so that, uh, you know, you could build the, the life that you're looking to, uh, that you're dreaming about. So oh, I love it. Okay. That's my so, vision. Oh, yeah. beautiful. That's a beautiful vision. Yeah. Totally down with it. So yeah. definitely reach out to Mikey if, if you're looking for sort of artist development coaching, you know, which I think is, is definitely a, uh, a service that's needed for sure. Well, we have to wrap up because I have my Heruta that starts mm -hmm. in about a minute. But uh, I want to just bless you with incredible simcha, mm -hmm. shalom, parnasa, and that your label should be successful and that the artists you work with should be successful and that you should be a great bridge between uh, you know the Jewish people and the nations of the world and you should continue to light up the world and be successful in all your holy work. Amen, amen. Can I give you a blessing? Of course. All right, ready? This is uh, for you and everyone here. Creator, just just really bless, you know, Saul with you know the forward motion of this beautiful podcast for a service of Jewish music to everyone listening. May you bring, may you continue to shine your face, your presence in their lives on an everyday basis and continue to show them their gifts and to remind them of the interconnectedness of you. And uh, may you just also please bless Saul and people listening with just deep connection and love in their hearts. And uh, so every single day as they continue to walk, they feel uh, deep mission on why they're here may they help may you help them find all their missions may we all say amen amen can you hear us so thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the holy sparks podcast i want to thank mikey powker for spending some time with us check him out mikeypowker.com i'm your host saul k please subscribe it helps the podcast share this with friends and family whom you think would be inspired by the content and we'll see you on our next episode Thank you.